Hi there, I'm Dan, and welcome, or welcome back, maybe, to the Shaw Vineyard Church Podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take just a moment to subscribe in iTunes or in your podcast app of choice. That way, you can get every message from our church straight away on whatever device best suits you. You know, it's our hope that the message that you're about to hear in this episode would encourage you to take your best next step in your faith journey. So let's get straight into it. It's nice to see you, everyone. My name's Vic Francis. Uh, It's my great pleasure to pastor here at Shaw Vineyard, and uh, I trust that um, I I trust that our service is is has something within it that is uh, I don't know, touching, changing, thought provoking, even life changing. That would be our prayer as we come in to the service today. I just want to mention Lorinda, who uh, has been part of our church um, for a good long time. Lorinda from Northcote College, at least maybe maybe eight years or ten years, twelve years. Oh, this goes almost as long as the food bank, you know. Sort of been going for a long, long time. This is her last service with us today. She's moving to Queenstown, for goodness' sake. um, on the next stage of her, um, her of her journey and, and indeed her career in a sense, so she's taken a job down there, um, and um, so we'll pray for her at the end of the service. So if you if you know Lorinda a little and and uh, have been part of her life, then this is a, a a very good thing. She's done missions with us. She's done all sorts of things. She's a fantastic lady, and we will miss you. So let's say, let's pray as we as we start our uh, message this morning. So God, we want to thank you for this whole idea of prayer. Lord, we, we thank you that it's bigger than we think. And Lord, we pray you'd expand us in it, even today. And we just make ourselves available for that. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I often say I'm not a great prayer. Um, I've said it from the front quite often. Uh, it always feels a little embarrassing as a pastor. You're supposed to be a prayer. You've got nothing else to do, eh? So apart from Sundays. So Monday to, Monday to Saturday, what else do you do? You just pray all the time, don't you? But I'm not a great prayer. That's what I've often said. Uh, pretty good Bible reader, you know, so you could come to me on that. I'm pretty good church attender. I, I, I really believe in church. Um, and maybe some of the other uh, things that you might think take, make up the fundamentals of Christianity, but um, prayer always seems as though it's been something a little difficult for me. Um, sort of, uh, I'm a disciplined person, but the disciplines of it seems to have evaded me at times. And so I've had the sense sometimes that I should be praying more, and, and I've, but I've kind of felt like, well, prayer is sort of in a room somewhere, and I'm, I'm a bit of a doer, you know, kind of I want to I do. And so it's been a little conflicting. But, but recent times, I've, I've discovered, I think, that prayer is bigger than I thought. It's, a, it's sort of a, it's a wider uh, concept. And, and, and I feel like over the years, a lot of years now of being a, of being a Christian, being a leader, um, sort of just what prayer is has sort of, um, sort of avoided, uh, evaded me along the way a little. And that some of the main points, some of the main ideas have been things that I've been invited by God to grow into and develop. And so I'm pretty excited about prayer at the moment. And I thought that it would be great just to talk a little bit about my journey and share some ideas and broader ideas of what prayer is this morning. I feel like it's sort of springing out of the box for me. And I trust that it will be um, relevant and helpful for you. So let's, um, let's just start before we go, if, um, uh, seeing you're really chatty today. Answer this, um, answer this or, or you know, complete the sentence for me. There might be a few people who would be willing to shout it out. What do you, what do you, how would you finish, close the sentence? Prayer is connection. Prayer is connection. What else? Intimate. Prayer is intimate. Prayer is essential. 
Prayer is communication. Prayer is a relationship. Prayer is a conversation. Any others? Prayer is chatting with God. Well, prayer is peace. Prayer is being. Okay, some interesting ideas there. Prayer is this thing that, you know, kind of is hard to define in some ways, and yet it's something along the lines of, you know, drawing close, of connecting with God and all of these things. We're going to share and think about some of those things as we go. I think um, often prayer, um, despite some of the broader ideas that we have about prayer, though for me at least gets kind of funneled into, I don't know, sitting in a circle, semicircle or something like that, um, and um, with your eyes closed and um, and and praying uh, in, you know, around the circle or something like that, or, or, or prayer before a meal or prayer before the service, which we always do here in church. Some, somehow for me, prayer has often become a little boxed in, a little kind of formulaic, and it's that that I want to talk about, the possibilities of drawing out some more things about what prayer is. So I've been, um, I've been studying and reading. I'm, I'm studying, as you know, or some of you know, sort of um, to be a spiritual director, and it's a formation program, and, and I feel like I'm being deeply formed in the process. And the latest assignment that we did was about prayer, and these are the books that I've been reading, and I'll quote from some of those books as we go. And, and, and it's just like something coming coming alive and, and um, it's a wonderful thing as something comes alive in your spiritual life maybe that you didn't feel like you were that good at. And so I've been reading some of the, you know, right through church history of what different people in church history and even from today say about prayer. And so this guy here whose name's Clement of Alexandria is one of the church fathers founding, church fathers, which is sort of a, a group of people sort of, you know, post-Jesus. He says that prayer is keeping company with God which I really love because it broadens the sense of, you know, kind of prayer is something that you do to prayer is something that is more relational, as somebody said, more, more in keeping um, company with God. Or a couple of centuries later, Augustine would say that true whole prayer is nothing but love, which I don't fully understand. But again, it invites me into something that's more than something mechanical, which is where prayer can often go for me. So it, so it invites me that it, it tantalizes me, and I think that's something that I want to learn more about and grow into. Or if you come into this century, David Banner, who wrote a, a book on called Conversations, said the essence of prayer is not so much what we do as what God does in us. And that introduces me to something a little broader. I thought prayer was mainly about me and if I didn't do it, then I kind of let down the team and yet somehow it seems a broader idea that God is introducing me to. And so in our course notes on prayer, um, as we sort of uh, were, were doing an assignment on prayer recently, it says prayer is everything that sustains a healthy relationship with God. This includes words and silence, speaking and listening, being together in stillness or in activity, connecting with God in the midst of busyness as well as in time specifically set aside. Prayer is bigger than we think. Prayer is something that's all-encompassing. I actually concluded that I've actually prayed a lot more than I ever gave myself credit for over an awful lot of years. I actually have been doing some of that stuff, and it's, and it's given me some release to be able to have that idea. And so it's these kinds of thoughts that I feel are helping me grow in my understanding of what Richard Foster talks about, of exploring 
the many splendid heart of God. And I just love that as a phrase, the many splendored, splend, not, not splendid, but splendid heart of God. How beautiful it is to explore the heart of God. And I think that's the destination that we'll go to as we discover a deeper understanding of what prayer is about. So this morning what I want to do is I want to head us in two directions and then I want to kind of conclude um, with, uh, with sort of seeing what God wants to do. I want to take us first into some difficult questions of prayer and I want to, I want to have a little go at answering some of those things because, you know, despite what we say, prayer is a, is a vexed subject in lots of ways. It's pretty tough. And um, then I want to give you uh, three possible prayer exercises that you could do this week with no, you know, kind of just as an alternative maybe to what you do. And I would hope that you would do that. I hope you'll pick up these and give them a shot and see what they're like. So take me through with that. And then what I've done is I've asked a few people in our congregation to be praying before the service and during this week and to... Um, and to, to see what God might be saying. And I'm going to ask them to come up at the end and we'll just see whether God has anything for us today that he's wanting to take us into. So hopefully that will work well. So, so some difficult questions. What do I do when prayer dries up or gets boring? I was, um, if, if, if I had answered my question, you were so good when you answered my question, when you finished off my prayer, is if I would say, if I, I would have said, you know, prayer is hard. You know, and and possibly my second answer would be prayer is sometimes boring. Am I allowed to say that? It is difficult to pray. I, I don't know whether that's your experience, but it is difficult to pray. And what do I do when it gets boring? And I think one of the things that you learn from, you know, wise people, wiser than me and people through church history is that prayer changes over time. And so, you know, you, you might start off with being a very sort of verbal you and God sort of situation in terms of praying. And so, you know, kind of um, saying prayers and, and lists of prayers and, 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 and sort of having specific prayer times are really important as they form foundations in our lives and, and are wonderful things. And I'm certainly not speaking against those things at all. But over time, prayer changes. And it's been noted in church history that words get less important as, as believers mature and being gets more important as believers mature. And so sometimes you can think, but you know, kind of short, but I'm not praying like I should. I'm not even praying as much as I used to. But it's kind of going back to the locked in a box type of prayer. And so I was thinking about it this week. When I first became a Christian, I was 19 years old. It was just like it just blew my mind completely. I was a youth pastor within, you know, probably six months of becoming a Christian. And I remember we used to do all night prayer meetings. I loved, or I think I loved, I, I loved those nights. You know, I think, you know, kind of, you know, sort of it was, I remember one night praying down in Beach Haven in somebody's laundry and it was freezing and it was two in the morning and it was like, you know, but we were praying, you know, kind of thing. And this is the, this is the way I want to spend my life. Well, you can invite me to an all-night prayer meeting to pray freezing in, in your laundry anytime at two in the morning and I will probably sleep through the alarm. Sorry, I was, I was going to and stuff like that. Something's changed in me. So, and grown. And, if, grown. and if you are the sort of person who does, all night, you know, it would be great for people to be inspired to pray all night for us and with us and all of those sorts of things. I'm not speaking against that, but I, I seem to be in a different place. And so I sort of asked myself, you know, have I become, you know, less committed and less prayerful or is something changing, something happening in my life? And I think it's the latter. So Jeanette Backer in her book, Holy Invitations, talks about this whole thing of, of prayer ceasing to be a verbal thing, maybe, less of a verbal thing. 
and, and the crisis that can come in that because, because surely that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And, and, and Baca says this, which I think is just really so helpful. She says, the best place to begin when prayer disappears is to ask God what this change means and then persist in our asking, searching, and listening until God guides us. And so I've come to conclude in a number of areas of life, not just in prayer, is that when, is that when what we were doing doesn't seem to be working what it was, it's not a crisis, it's an invitation to something new in God. And I'm, I'm so excited about that in my own Christian life, you know, over the last five, ten years or whatever. It's been always an invitation to something new in God. And so, so, so it's, not the, it's not the worst time, this is the best time when prayer disappears for us to be exploring. I think that's at least part of an answer to a question, what do I do when my prayer dries up? What about this? How do I break out of a prayer up? Maybe maybe kind of um, uh, expanding from that last question. You know, sort of I, I used to pray. You know, I used to get up at six o'clock in the morning and I used to pray and now I still get up at six o'clock in the morning but it doesn't have the life that it used to have. You know, what do I do with those things? And, and I, I think the invitation that I've heard from God and I think the encouragement that I've heard from God is, is to continue to pour into the things that are giving life and then to let go of some of the things when they're no longer giving you life. And as much in other areas of our life, that might be a key. It's certainly, I think, a key for us in prayer. And so sometimes, you know, there are things that I've just done, I've just done, I've just done, and it's been fantastic. And then I wake up one morning and it's like, I don't want to do that anymore. And with that can come a fair bit of, I don't know, um, Christian guilt or something like that. And so what I've come to understand, I think, is that the invitation of God is continue to pour into the things that are giving life and then to discover some new prayer practices along the way. And so Sheila Pritchard, you know, a great New Zealand um, academic and, and um, spiritual director and, and author, she talks about God break me or a prayer, break me out of my sensible, anxious boring boundaries and fill me again with the wind and dancing foam of your spirit. There's like, there's, a, there's an invitation to an eagerness to continue co- to, co- um, to, to connect and to grow into our connection. And um, so uh, uh, one of the great prayer phrases that I've ever heard of uh, a guy called Do- uh, Dom John Chapman in the early 20th century said, pray as you can and not as you can't. And so I think we're somehow wired sometimes to pray as we can't. You know, and it doesn't work, and it proves that it doesn't work. But instead, to be given the freedom to pray as you can so that you can grow and flourish in the things that you do. And I think you do flourish when you do that. So we start with what's got, got life, and we need permission to move on from those things that don't have life and then to explore some new practices along the way, of which I'll share a few in a few moments. Um, what about this one? What can I do when I can't pray? I think, you know, kind of you've probably heard preachers will say, well, you just press through. You know, you just have to pray. You just break through. And I think, this, you know, this, that's partly true. But, you know, sometimes when you're just stricken with grief or sometimes when you're just, you know, um, I, I don't know, when life is just, you know, sort of completely on top of you, I think I have had times when I just have not been able to pray. And you kind of feel bad about that. But I think there are probably a couple of things that are more helpful or or helpful as well as pressing through because there is an aspect of pressing through, isn't there? But one is when you come to a point where you can't pray, I think that's the time to gather the gather the family to pray for you, to, to say, you know, can you pray for me? Can you be prayerful for me? I think that's a really significant thing. And I also love 
this thing from Richard Foster when he says, when we cannot pray, let God be our prayer. And when you think about this, this is, this is to me, this is just a life-transforming idea of do I trust God enough to be my prayer when I can't pray? Because surely that's who and what He is. That's the relationship that I have. And so, you know, can I actually let it go to God or do I have to hold it in for myself? Do I have to kind of clasp it and somehow control it and not do a very good job of it and have that sense? But can I let God, just God to be my prayer? And I think that's an incredibly helpful and deep and, and, and worthy of some con, um, consideration type of idea in terms of our prayer. And finally, you know, kind of this thing, I don't know if you've ever thought of, but does prayer actually have any purpose? I mean, why do we pray? I mean, isn't God sovereign? Can't God do whatever the heck he likes? Um, do we pray for cha- things that change? Do we pray for answers? Are those the sorts of reasons that we pray? And certainly in some ways, I guess that must be, but it's fraught with difficulty because I think we could say that often we would have prayed for relatively little reward for the things that we've prayed for. That's a reality, I think, of, you know, kind of a long Christian life or even a short Christian life. You know, it's kind of I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and and this thing didn't happen. Or I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and and not as much as I thought might have happened happened. And so we have to we have to wrestle with that, don't we? Sort of what is this prayer thing really for? And we sort of sometimes swing from a pendulum saying, I just need to pray more. Or swing to a pendulum saying, I'm not going to pray at all because it doesn't seem like God answers. I think we've, we will all go through those things. Some of you will be in that place right at the moment, or you will recognize it even in your lives. Um, but, in, but in the history of the church, you know, um, scholars and, 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 and um, you know, kind of people who have plumbed the, the, the depths and the heights and the breadths of God have, have consistently come up with this idea that prayer is not so much a, you know, kind of a, a work and reward sort of thing, you know, kind of a labor and reward. Prayer is about something that often is called in church history union. Prayer is about, you know, coming close and be drawn into relationship we perhaps use in a modern context of drawing too close to God. That's what it's all about. And so James Houston in his um, book, The Transforming Friendship, says, I came to see prayer more as a friendship than a rigorous discipline. It started to become more of a relationship and less of a performance. So friendship. And relationship was mentioned when we said what prayer is. So I became, be seen. So I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and it didn't happen. Um, but in the process of praying, I encountered a God who cared that it wasn't happening. So there's this thing, this, this friendship, there's this relationship thing that God is inviting us to, which is over and beyond any sense of, well, you know, if we gather together, if we just prayed more, then this would happen. This is something that God is wanting to do in your life. So for me, um, my major prayer focus, my daily major prayer focus is a thing called Pray As You Go at the moment. So Pray As You Go, it's an app or a website and and um, it's 12 minutes long, 12 or 13 minutes long. And so I get in my car in the morning and I drive here to church um, and it's about a 20-minute drive from Beachhaven. And so for the first 12 minutes, I listen to Pray As You Go. This is how Pray As You Go um, goes every day. There's a little piece of music, uh, which I don't like, I hardly ever like. Um, there is a scripture reading. There is a little devotional thought. 
the scripture is read again, and there is a, a short, only a short sort of time for you to reflect and for you to pray. And for me at the moment, this gives me life. I haven't done it all my life. I haven't, I haven't, you know, kind of, I don't know that I'll be doing it this time in a year. But for me at the moment, this gives me life. And I, and I look forward to that. And you know, the little bit that I look forward to the most is the last six or seven minutes. When I come to the end of, of the prayer as you go and it just goes silent. And you know, some days, some days I just, you know, kind of my brain's going to who I should contact or what I should do or, you know, kind of the problems that I have. But some days it's like something transcends in my car. I mean, it'd be rarer, you know, kind of more often it doesn't happen than it does happen. But sometimes, and it happened just one day this week, and it's like, you know, kind of by the time I get to Sunny Nook or something, it's the last five minutes to drive here or something like that. There is the sense, not even like the presence of God sitting in the other seat or in the back seat or something like that, but there is the sense that, that God and I are somehow almost intertwined and that everything is safe and everything is good. And it's an incredible thing. And, you know, I get out of the car and it may be the problem that I'm thinking about hasn't changed at all, but somehow it's been put right because of the sense of relationship with God. And so it's nothing to do in one sense with prayer as you go, but it's to do with, the, with this idea of actually putting yourself in a place of being with God. So I've got a couple of current prayers that I'm praying for. One is um, about our whole thing of appointing an associate pastor here. And you'll, you'll know that we have, if you've been around, you'll know that we've been advertising. And so this week, you know, we, we, we thought we'd found the person that we would bring in. And this, and this week, it, it sort of it, it fell over. And so that was a really disappointing thing. But in the context of having the sense of God being in you and around you and through you, and, and it's all going to be okay, it, it was okay. Because it's something bigger than that. It's not even like I was praying about that, but it was like my relationship with God could carry that. The other thing that I've asked a number of you and within our home group and, and a few other people who have asked me is to pray. My prayer at the moment is that God would give me a, a gift of leadership or a greater gift of leadership. That's the prayer of my heart. And, you know, what will that look like? I don't know. I don't know that I'll ever know. Oh, there it was. You know, kind of it arrived. But those, that's the prayer of my heart. And in those moments where I have that connection with God like that, it's like that is all taken care of. That is, you know, kind of the things that are most on my heart are so taken care of. And it's just a wonderful thing for that to happen. And so this idea of relationship or union, if you want to go old school or something like that, is what it's all about rather than, you know, kind of here's a message on prayer. You need to pray for half an hour every day for the next seven days and, you know, don't even bother to come back to church if you don't do that because you're not even a Christian, <laughs> which is sometimes what we hear about, or at least we hear within ourselves about prayer. Um, a little PS before we go into our prayer suggestions. Um, it is okay to get angry with God in prayer. Um, you know, when, when hard things happen, you know, that is what relationship's about. And so I, I had a, um, you know, I've, I've just the, the, the guys that I've been, um, who, who maybe God will give them words, you know, in a few minutes, you know, I've just shared my message. And one of them came back and sort of said, you know, it's, you know, yelling prayer is not a bad thing either. And it's like, I'd never heard that theological term, yelling prayer. But yelling prayer seems very real to me. 
you know, kind of those times where we just don't know and understand. I think that's what relationship's all about. You know, the, the parent loves the angry child, you know, just as much as the parent loves the angelic child. And so what an incredible thing it is to have that sort of relationship and know that we're secure in that for what we can do and what God can have. So that's sort of as a PS and thrown in really um, by someone else. And I think it's really helpful. So prayer suggestions, how do you pray? What does it look like? And you know, there are lots of ways you can do it. And remember, whatever's giving you life, continue to do that. So if you, can't, if you, if you wanna check out, then that's fine. But I'm gonna give you three ideas that you could do this week, which I think is gonna be really easy um, and really fruitful. But various people, we just in our home group just recently, we prayed um, acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. That's a fantastic way of praying. Um, you know, the Lord's Prayer is a good a pattern for prayer, you know, sort of, you know, again, that starts a bit with worship and, you know, kind of prayer and session and all of those sorts of things. You know, some pray in tongues. This is a fantastic thing. Or getting together, prayer meetings, getting together to pray. Wonderful things to do. Nights of prayer, as I say. You know, sometimes God sort of stirs us and we sort of do, you know, like a more commanding prayer, you know, in the name of Jesus. You know, it's a, those are fantastic prayers as led by the Spirit. We, we need to do all of those, but those are probably prayers that we know about or we've heard about over our Christian lives. <clears throat> the ones that I want to share maybe are, are a little bit different. And so this week you could do what, well, Richard Foster in his book, but I don't think it's original to him, is pray the ordinary. And so Foster says, he talks about turning ordinary experiences of and praying through the ordinary experience of life. Much of our life is very ordinary. I don't know if you've noticed, we all commute unless we work from home or unless we don't work. We all, you know, kind of, um, I don't know, we all shower. You know, I don't know. We all do the dishes. We all brush. Do you brush your teeth? (laughs) You know, much of our life is ordinary. We all shop. This week, I'm going to pray the ordinary while I shop. I, I mainly shop in our family. Shop down at Pack and Save in Glenfield. And this idea of, of taking prayer into the ordinary really appeals to me. So on Tuesday, if that's the day that it happens, that's what I'm planning to do. I'm going to be, I'm going to be aware of God from driving into the car park to driving out of the car park. I'm going to be aware of who's my neighbour in that time. This wasn't for this message, but at, at the front of Pack and Save, there are about four trees and at this time of year, in the afternoon when I go there, there are birds in those trees. There are just thousands of sparrows or hundreds of sparrows. I don't know whether you've... And, and, and just this week, I recorded them for 14 seconds. They're loud. They don't have a chorus or anything like that. There you go, 14 seconds of sparrows. And I'm going to, well, I appreciated them last week, actually. You know, in the middle of that big, ugly building and car park in Ashfelt, and there's a little trees, and there is life. And I'm going to love them on Tuesday as I go. And when I, when I go in, I'm going to appreciate the food that, that I eat, get to eat. You know, we were with, we had a, we have a great friend in India who's a pastor who came out here about six years ago. He, somebody who knew him also said to him, you know, what's the main difference, Robert? Some of you know Robert. What's the main difference you found in New Zealand? He said, he said, you have so much food. 
You go into the supermarket, you can have anything you like. It's like, oh, do we? Oh, okay. And I'm going to be grateful this Tuesday for the food and the ability to buy it as I do the ordinary. I'm going to be aware of all the nationalities who walk up and down the aisles because there, there aren't that many white faces. When I do my shopping, we are an immigrant country still. And I'm going to be aware of it. I'm going to love the person who processes my shopping. And I'm going to pray the ordinary. And I don't know whether that will take any words, but I suspect it's going to move me to the core. We can pray the ordinary this week. Every one of us can do that. What an amazing thing it would be. Hope you're not in pack and save at five o'clock on Tuesday night. See me run my trolley into some idiot who leaves their trolley in the middle of the thing and it just annoys me. And I, Oh, sorry, sorry. Whew. Bit of yelling prayer happening there. What else could you do? Let's move on from that, praying the ordinary. Well, that didn't work, did it? You could turn monologue into dialogue. Sheila Pritchard, who we showed you before, this is a great book, The Lost Art of Meditation. She talks about turning what she calls unceasing thoughts into unceasing prayers. And her, and her I guess the genesis of her idea is that we're always thinking all the time. So we always have thoughts. You know, you're right now thinking, you know, kind of this guy up the front's an idiot or he lost me five minutes ago or whatever. It's all of those, what am I having for lunch, you know, sort of thing. Last week was much better when, you know, kind of our visitor was here, Noel. You know, all of that sort of thing. So I wish he could come back again. You know, surely Fran's better than talk about prayer than you are because you're just a, a wannabe and a newbie. Yeah, I know. All of those things are probably true. But turning your inner monologue into a dialogue because we're always thinking, but taking those thoughts and working with them. So, you know, you might look in the mirror this week and sort of think, man, I don't know, I look old. That's probably what I look in the mirror and think. So if I look in the mirror and think, man, I, I look old. And that could be actually kind of discouraging or it could be the opportunity for a, a dialogue instead of a monologue of thoughts, a dialogue of prayers. And it might have me reflect on my life, and it might have me reflect on the goodness of God, and it might have me reflect on the things that I did when I was younger and the things that I can only do because I'm the age that I am now and the experience that I have now, or maybe wisdom, or you know, maybe I and and I could even do more than that and invite God to come back into the dialogue rather than my monologue, even to God. And you know, if you're a if you write journals and stuff like that, it's sort of sometimes quite good to write God's answers. And you say, Well, I can't answer for God. It's actually, you'd be surprised how fruitful that could be as he looks at me. And what does he look at when he looks at me at 57 years old in the mirror? And so this whole sense from 1 Corinthians 10 of fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of the life shaped by Christ is a rather wonderful thought, I think. And so this week we could turn monologue into dialogue because we will have thoughts this week and we could dialogue with God around our thoughts as very real things, as things that he cares about. You know, it may not be, you know, what we would think of big prayers, important prayers. Oh, they're, they're important prayers. They are so important to God. And then lastly, we could pray what's often been called the prayer of the heart or um, centering prayer. And so Sheila Pritchard, again, she talks about, she, she talks about picturing 
a busy office, you know, on the top floor of, of maybe an office block in the city and, you know, maybe some of us work in those places or we certainly will have been and you, you come out of the lift at the top floor and it's really frantic and there's, you know, kind of people, you know, moving around and, you know, sort of, you know, fr- there's a fren- frenetic sort of sense to the, to the office idea. And, you know, there's targets and there's flowcharts and there's whiteboards and there are meetings taking place and people are scurrying. And she's, she talks about this as being a little like our minds. And I, th- I think that probably is certainly like my mind. And then she talks about, you know, getting in the lift. How about getting in the lift and coming down one floor from here to here? And the lift opens and, and it's, it's a whole different scene, you know. Maybe there's sort of more soothing music playing. Maybe it's sort of armchairs rather than office chairs. Maybe it's... Um, you know, uh, kind of the, the, there's a sense of being able to wait, be able to listen. And that's what she starts to call anyway, sort of prayer of the heart. And when you get to there, you can begin to contemplate taking some stillness. You can slow down your breathing. You can choose a word or a phrase or a, or a desire that, that, that's on your heart. You could just say to yourself again and again, peace, be still. Or come, Lord Jesus, come. Or Lord, have mercy. And you could repeat it to yourself over and over, just just internally, even in your heart, and let your mind come into being with where God is and what he's wanting to do. And there in the presence of God who loves you through and through to be able to know him. And there may be no more words than that, but she says do it for 10 or 20 minutes. And it could be amazing what might happen. And if your mind wanders, as it almost inevitably will, because we'll zap back up to the top office, you just come back with that prayer and you allow yourself to be rather than do. You allow relationship to take place rather than kind of goals and targets. You let something called union begin to be invited towards you. And all of a sudden, perhaps God can touch your life. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. And if you're in the Forest Hill or the Bays area of Auckland's North Shore, we would so love to have you at our next service this Sunday. You can get details on service times and more info on our kids and student environments by visiting svc.org.nz. That's svc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day and we'll see you next time here on the podcast.